Uh, I just want to say something to those of you who are online. I'm glad that you joined us. Uh, when I tell folks here on site to be seated, there's a, there's a, there's a strange and uh, mean part of me that wants to tell those of you at home who've been seated to stand up while I'm talking. But I'm not going to do that. I just wanted to confess that there's a strange part of me. And so those of you who are at home know that when I ask folks here on site to sit and be seated, that you can just laugh because you know what's going through my mind. I can go, weirdo. Can you hear me now? Yes, thank you. I just was wondering. I'll try not to lean in too much, but I will occasionally. Let's see, I got to, there we go. You get I was reminded of something this week. I, yeah. You've been reminded of something that you knew, but you never just said it that way before. You go, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's what happened this week. Somebody, somebody reminded me of this. Because so often we, 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 uh, get the emphasis wrong. I heard somebody say, this week, this last Monday and Tuesday, Connie and I were able to attend our uh, regional uh, ministers lead, ministerial leaders retreat. I think that's what we call it. Official titles, 41 hours. And so... Um, one of the speakers talks, reminded us that before, before you were called sinner, you were called beloved. Oh, yeah. We often feel like we have to get over the sinner part before we can be loved. And that's not what, that's not what John 3.16 tells us. 
That's not what Romans 5 tells us. We're loved while we're still a screwed up mess. Okay, that's the Eve's paraphrase. I went, oh, yes. That's why it was so good this morning as we were singing to be reminded. There's not a level of my good behavior I've got to reach before I can actually say, yeah, I'm a child of God. He loves us. Period. He doesn't love us when. He doesn't love us if. God loves us. End of statement. We are designed and created to experience and to share that love. God's powerful love. We are, he created us for that. That's the whole reason we're here. At least that's what we believe as Christians. As people who follow Jesus, we, we believe we are designed and created to experience God's love and to share it with him and with each other and with everyone else. Sadly, as humans, we settle for corrupt substitutes and forgeries of love. And it's even sadder that we know that we're not being satisfied. And yet we keep going back for more. That is the definition of insanity. To continue doing the same thing that you know isn't going to get you different results, but you're going to keep doing it anyway. It's also a definition of addiction. I'm just going to keep, you know, it didn't, didn't fix things for me yesterday, but I'm going to try it again. Maybe it'll work today. Really? Did it work yesterday, the day before, the day before that, the day before that, the day before that, the day before that? Has oh, it worked for the last 20 years? Nope, but I'm going to try it one more time because maybe tomorrow it'll work. It's like me. I jokingly say every day when I go to check my mailbox that maybe today will be the day that I find a million-dollar check. I, I, I say that as a joke because I know good and well that nine times out of ten, most of what's going to be in the box is either Bill or junk mail. <clears throat> and usually it's junk mail. And, and there's a song that, that as we're thinking about this, this whole idea, there's a song called Looking for Love. It topped Billboard's Hot Country singles chart for three weeks in September 1980. The chorus confesses our desire for uh, real love and the futility of our search 
The chorus goes like this. I'm not going to sing it, just read you the words. You're welcome. Um, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. Searching their eyes, looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of. Hoping to find a friend and a lover. I'll bless the day I discover another heart looking for love. There it is. Can't find it. I'm going to keep on looking in the same places and the same faces or different faces, but our unsatisfied longings drive all of the well, it's not the only thing, but it's one of the things that drives the substance abuse pandemic that's going on in our, our world. We've talked about this a little bit, but there's very few of us that are untouched by addiction, uh, or our families at least. Uh, some of us may have classic addictions of alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, uh, but most of us fall into the trap of uh, the more dangerous and devious ones that aren't quite so obvious. For example, our relationship with food success or even church involvement can serve the same purpose as heroin for a drug addict. Under each of these desires gone nuts is the longing to experience and share God's powerful love. God's holy love is beyond explanation, but it can be experienced. We can receive God's love. And when we do, the Holy Spirit begins to transform us, but he began, the Spirit begins by working on the inside and transforming us from the inside out. It's easy for us to fall into the trap of thinking that we just need to change our behavior. This is that's an outside thing. I just like just get the rules down. Just changing the way we act isn't gonna really satisfy us. <clears throat> Some of the meanest. I'm going to say this. I, I admitted this to somebody already this morning. I grew up in church, in churches. My parents were pastors. I've been around church people since nearly the day I was born. Well, if you count my parents, since the day I was born. So I've had opportunity to observe a lot of church people and some of the meanest, nastiest people I've ever met. had perfect attendance at church. <laughs> See, some of you met them too. Uh, <laughs> that most of their behavior was pretty good, and they can tell you about it. They'd be glad to tell you about it. Somehow they, they 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 left off the list of some of the things that, you know, okay. 
before we delve or dive deeper into developing the life of holy love that we've been talking about, uh, I want us to remember that the remaking of our character starts inside. It changes us inside and then changes our behavior. And all of it is a gift from God. It is grace. That's what gift means, grace. It is a gift, an expression of his love for us. It is not an exercise of our willpower, grit, and determination. In fact, I will argue with you in love that if the things that are changing in your life are a result of your grit, determination, and willpower, it isn't Jesus. It's you. Congratulations. I'm very proud of you. But it isn't Jesus. Because if you can change you, <clears throat> there's a real good chance there's something really big that you're avoiding. You see, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who, who uh, is a, the pastor, Bible scholar behind the message translation, he wrote, wrote this, the resurrection of Jesus establishes the conditions in which we live and mature in the Christian life. A lively sense of Jesus' resurrection, which took place, listen to this, which took place without any help or comment from us, keeps us from attempting to take charge of our own development and growth. Just let me ask you a few questions. Did, did God ask you for advice when he did, rose, raised Jesus from the grave? Did he say, hey, I, I need your help moving that stone? Did he say, can you go over there and do some resuscitation? Maybe some CPR on my son's corpse? See, he didn't ask for help from any of us. Why did God not ask us for help? Because one, we couldn't have given it to him. And two, he didn't need it. And here's the deal. When it comes to growing in the holy love of God, which is what he wants to do in us, not just change around our behavior. He wants to change our character from the inside out. When it comes to that, this is resurrection work. And it does call for cooperation in the sense of saying, yes, Lord, and that's it. That's as far as my helping him can go. I've become convinced that if we want to uncover one of the greatest blessings that we could ever pronounce over anyone, we need to go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. It's part of Paul's prayer for the, the Ephesians. And it's the basis, I think, it's part of the basis of, as we've been talking about, this, this 
holy love of God that changes us, this deep need of us, ours, uh, this, there, there depends on your translation. I love the New Living Translation. They've condensed this verse down to the great blessing. It goes like this. <clears throat> May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. think about it for a moment. Who do you know that needs a blessing today? I'm just going to invite you right now. I'm going to read, I'm going to, I'm going to pray that prayer. Pray with me and you pray that for them right now. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Amen. So be it. Make it happen, Jesus. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, you know how to touch their hearts. Well, I could almost stop there, but that's just getting just getting goes to the end of the introduction. As we experience God's love, our behaviors though begin to trans be transformed because all those things that we were looking for, uh, looking you know all the wrong places and faces that we were looking for love, we, we we stop looking for love in all those wrong places because we're experiencing beginning to experience the love that God created us to have. And so just naturally that we start, his love is <clears throat> pushing those things out, those the, changing us. We begin to think and act more like Jesus. And so here's an example Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Hey, this is a short sentence. It's powerful though. The thief the one who steals must steal no longer. Rather, he must labor, doing good with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with the one who has need. The one who steals must steal no longer. I just want to just pause for a moment. Remember what I said earlier? That we don't have to come up to a certain level of behavior before we're called God's kids? Paul's writing this to a bunch of church people, church members, Christians in the city of Ephesus. And he says to them, those of you who are stealing need to stop. And get a job. A real job. Work with your hands. Not pickpocketing. Uh, I think he's meaning, to, he's, but I think he's talking about more than just stealing stuff from other people. 
because there are at least three broad uh, groups of uh, or, or or ways that we can people can steal from other people. Uh, we can call people thieves, but we can also call people parasites uh, or predators. A parasite's mindset uh, says, uh, give me what you have. It can be subtle, like give me your money or your life. Or it can be not so subtle. It can be uh, it can be oh please Please help me out one more time. Um, predator's mindset uh, says, uh, I have stuff, so let me own and control and abuse you, and I'll share it with you. Now here's the deal. Most of us have in some way, shape, or form have those kinds of mindsets where we want to get stuff from people or use stuff to control people. They're, they're obviously uh, property parasites. Those are the people who take stuff from other people. Um, they could be the one, you know, the, the person in the family is always, always spending and, and expecting to be bailed out. Um, they're emotional parasites. Um, these are people who are habitual, constantly griping and criticizing and browbeating and nagging and cussing and shouting and sassing and spitting and lying and otherwise just verbally poisoning their environment and leeching the life out of everybody. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, there are the people who just smother everybody with infection so they can control them and they just sap the life out of everybody. Because they just smother them. Um, they're sexual parasites and predators. So Paul says to all of the parasites and predators and thieves amongst us, stop stealing. One who steals must steal no longer. Rather, he must labor doing good with his own hands so that he may have something to share with the one who has need. So the goal in life, as God's love starts to saturate our inner being, the, the, the goal shifts from getting and taking to sharing. This is where it gets tricky. We could run out of here and go, okay, who can I share with? And not let the spirit really change our mindsets and our attitudes inside. We're just going to start being generous people because, well, good people are generous people. And 
hell of people think I'm good. <laughs> but being generous just to look good <laughs> isn't good. You want to write that one down? Being generous just to look good isn't good. That's just another way to steal. I want to steal a reputation that is really not mine. I want to steal the look of generosity when actually I'm just trying to look generous. Here's the sermon in a sentence. Grace generates generosity in God's children, in God's kids. And then it works its way out. Grace generates generosity in God's kids. That sounds simple and easy. Stop sealing, start sharing. Stop stealing, start sharing. However, transformation sounds simple because we think of it as a surface issue, a surface problem. We all though carry this, this cancer of capital S. You can't see this printed. So I'm going to tell you, it's capital S sin in our souls. Now, I'm going to tell you something that you may not know, but you might know. This is one of those things that you probably know that you just never heard said it like this before. A lot of people are not happy with the word sin. They don't like it. They recoil from the word sin. But it's still out there. Especially the capital, this, well, sin's still out there. The capital S, sin, cancer in our soul. It, um, sin is a way of describing, capital S sin in particular, is a way of describing the fact that there is a fundamental flaw in the way we act as human beings. It's an explanation for why our human system keeps throwing up errors. Plans go wrong, communications fail, good intentions decay and corrupt. It's a way of describing the fact that in so many things that happen, there's this slight tilt toward the perverse and cruel. Well, not me, Pastor. <laughs> Denial is not just a river in Egypt. <clears throat> Yep, in all of us. I mean, that's why, that's why just changing outside behavior isn't the issue. They got this capital S sin in deep in our souls that needs to be dealt with. Paul captures for us the very essence, if not the definition of this capital S sin, in, in, in Romans chapter 1. And we have to begin 
to grasp that relationship between capital S sin, the cancer, and the little s sins, our behaviors, because the little s sins are symptoms. But the sickness is the big s sins. And if we think we got to fix these things, well, these things are a problem. But fixing this is like taking Tylenol for a brain tumor. You're going to feel better for about 20 minutes. And then you're going to die. Let's deal with the tumor. So Romans 1, 25 and 28. Romans 5, uh, Romans 1, 25, Paul says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And everybody goes, oh yeah, oh, nasty old people, they started worshiping idols. See, there we go. Thinking there's a river in Egypt. It's not, that's denial right there. Thinking that we're, Paul's not just talking about worshiping idols. He's talking about the fact that as human beings, as a race, we took God off the throne and put ourselves on the throne. <clears throat> and started looking for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong faces. And started saying, I'll decide what's right and wrong for me. Thank you very much. And then in verse 28, he says, Paul says, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what should not be done. And before you jump to any conclusions about what that means, he starts listing things like disobeying your parents. Well, you did just normal kid behavior. See, there's one of our problems right there. We... <laughs> That's the capital S, cancer. We have taken and placed ourselves on the throne. And as a result, God said, okay, you want to be in charge? You're in charge. The Holy Spirit leans over to us and sounds an awful lot like Dr. Phil and says, so how's that working for you? It is an exercise in futility to tell a thief to stop stealing and start sharing as an act of generosity. They can't. It's not a matter of willpower, grit, and determination. The sin cancer grows way too deep in our souls for a thief, a parasite, or a predator to just become generous. They may act generous, but if they are, they're acting generous because they're trying to figure out a way to get your stuff or to get you. The good news is at the foot of the cross, at the foot of Jesus' cross, God's love 
meets us and begins to displace and push out that capital S sin. Begins to heal the sin. Because see, when we go to the cross, we go, okay, I don't know what I thought I knew. I'm not nearly as smart as I thought I was. <clears throat> John Wesley, who is a big deal for us because we're Wesleyans. He's the founder of our branch of the Christian family tree. So he was reflecting on the, the, the foundation, the deep bedrock of, of the gospel. He wrote these words in a little book he called the plain account of Christian perfection, uh, Christian maturity. One cause of a thousand mistakes is this, not considering deeply enough that love is the highest gift of God. Humble, gentle, patient love. All other gifts are either the same with or infinitely inferior to love. Therefore, you should be thoroughly aware of this. The heaven of heavens is love. There is nothing higher. There is, in effect, nothing else. If you look for anything but more love, you are looking wide of the mark. You're getting out of the royal way. Settle it then in your heart. You are to aim at nothing more but more of that love described in 1 Corinthians 13. You can go no higher than this. And I thought to myself, well, we should probably remind ourselves what kind of love is described in 1 Corinthians 13, Mark? And so I'm going to. 1 Corinthians 13. This is a portion of it. Verses 4 through 8. Love is patient, kind. It's not envious. It does not brag. It is not puffed up. It is not rude. It is not self-serving. It is not easily angered or resentful. It is, not, it is not glad about injustice, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never ends. That's what we're supposed to be about. The business of experiencing and learning to share God's holy love is our lifelong task. To allow his love just begin to saturate us deep inside and dis to displace and replace and to heal that cancer of sin that put us in charge of our lives so that we recognize it it's just Jesus. Jesus is my king. This area of my life, the area of my, in the area where areas where I've been a parasite and a predator, and he's king. Now I'm going to learn to share 
We learn to be generous because God's grace generates generosity in you. Being loved and becoming loved, that's the gospel. And we're talking about love that is not soft and it's not squishy sentimentality. It is not a Hallmark commercial or movie. It will not make you gag. It is hard. It is sacrificial by choice. It is the only true power in this kingdom of God. It can do impossible things. Let me name a couple. This is the love that takes the creator of the universe and allows him to become Did you get that? The creator of the universe became a human in the virgin's womb through the power of love. And then I just encourage you to read all four of the Gospels to find out what happens when that, that love grows up and becomes a man and walks around and bumps into all kinds of people. And it, the power of that love is the kind of love that goes to the cross. It's the love that has the, the, it does impossible things. On Sunday morning, that same God who became one of us died on the cross. Said, "Well, I've been here long enough. I'm done." I walked out of that grave. That stuff doesn't happen. Well, did once. Love is the only true power in the world. God's holy love is the only true power in the world. And his love can do impossible things. And I don't know what impossible things we might be looking at, folks, but I'm pretty sure God's love can handle it. Broken humans tend to relate to each to others with either a give me what you have or let me own and control and abuse you because I got stuff.
kind of mindsets. Let's see, the Holy Spirit can transform parasites and predators into God's generous kids who have this, let me help you with what I have, mindset. Jesus' followers learn to take responsibility for themselves and the resources that God has, been entrust, has entrusted to them. See, the, the gospel, the message of Jesus doesn't take good people and make them better. It takes all kinds of people and makes them like Jesus. So what does grace-generated, God-honoring generosity look like? Grace-generated, God-honoring generosity always asks, how may I help you with what I have? How may I help you with what I have? This generosity, God's grace generates generosity in us. Nothing Nothing, according to J.D. Walt, one of my favorite authors, nothing is more beautiful or winsome or powerful than people laying down their interests and agendas and needs and desires for the best interest of others. In fact, the most descriptive word for this kind of love is holy. Um, at this point, I want to encourage our online friends to welcome the Holy Spirit's loving uh, work in your life. Take time right now to invite uh, Jesus to help you experience the depth and uh, power of God's love right where you are. We're going to do the same thing here, but we're going to turn the camera off. So those of you who are online, I just want to thank you for being with us participating with us today. Take some time to be with Jesus and experience God's love. Thank you. <clears throat>